Jesus never told anyone to become a Christian, but he does invite everyone to follow him. But what's the difference? Well, more than you might think. And the difference actually has the potential, not just to change your faith, but I think to completely change your life. So let's talk about it together. If you've been around Cross Creek Community Church for a while, maybe watched a few of these episodes, you might have noticed something. We don't use the word uh, Christian very much. We prefer the term Jesus follower. And why is that? Because, you know, we're trying to be cool, we're embarrassed about Christian, or we're just being silly and mincing words. I don't think so. See, words are powerful. Words shape our uh, reality, how we, how we see our world and how we see ourselves. And Christian has really come to mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people, sometimes with with a lot of baggage. Like uh, historically, you know, Christian, you think about like the Crusades and uh, anti-science and that type of stuff. And in our American culture, Christian can mean a lot of things, can mean, um, you know, these boring, quiet people, but it can also mean these loud, political, obnoxious, sign-holding, yelling-at-you-with-a-megaphone type people. Now, whatever baggage the word Christian might have for you, whether negative or positive, one thing is true for, I think, most people. At the core, the word Christian has come to mean someone who believes certain things, right? Like someone who believes in a Trinity God that created humanity in his likeness, that he loved us, loves us, and wants us to to be with him and be made known through him, uh, that... Jesus came and died and rose again to, to, give, to bring eternal life and will return someday to restore all of creation once and for all. And now, yes, we as a church group, a community, we believe those things for sure. We hold to that. Those are like the most important truths of the universe. So yes, we are Christian because we do believe those things. So why do we prefer Jesus follower? Because in our minds, Christians believe certain things. But Jesus followers do certain things. See, Jesus followers believe, but their belief also compels them to do. And I think that's a huge distinction, right? Like we can believe something is true, but never do anything with it. Kind of like uh, Jesus' little brother James said, right? Belief without action is pointless. And I can believe that eating right and exercising will help me lose weight and make me healthy. I can believe that, but unless I do something with it, nothing actually happens. And Jesus didn't come to earth and teach the truths of God and live out and model the love of God. He didn't bring the kingdom of God to earth and die and rise again just so we can, you know, believe some stuff and never actually be changed and or change anything around us. Jesus doesn't invite us to believe something. He invites us to be and do something to be God's ambassadors, sharing his love, sharing his hope with a world that desperately needs it, just telling people that they matter, that they are loved, that they are accepted. And we get to participate in his earth-shaking revolution to restore humanity and the worth of each person in, who is created in God's image. It's so much better than just the, I think, the American Christian version of having to believe the right certain things. See, it's so much better. But how do we do that? 
How, do, how does someone discover the life Jesus offers and actually live as a Jesus follower and not just kind of like claim the title of Christian? Well, Jesus actually tells us when he sends out his first followers on a special mission. And before he sent them out on this special mission, he had been uh, teaching the truths of the kingdom of God, telling people, repent because the kingdom of God is near. Come to God. He loves you. I'm bringing the kingdom of God. He's been doing miracles, healing people, casting out demons, calming storms, that type of stuff. But it hasn't been all like warm fuzzies and, and kitten whispers. No. See, the religious leaders have been plotting with the civic leaders to actually kill Jesus. Jesus has been rejected by his hometown. And so there's been amazing things, but there's also been really hard things. And Jesus had called 12 main followers to kind of like be his guys, to be his mouthpieces. Then he appointed 12 of them and called them his apostles. They were to accompany him and he would send them out to preach, giving them authority to cast out demons. And so far they'd been doing a lot of accompanying, but not a lot of doing. And now Jesus is kind of like saying, okay, boys, it's time to get to work. And he called his 12 disciples together and began sending them out two by two, giving them authority to cast out evil spirits. He told them to take nothing for their journey except a walking stick, no food, no traveler's bag, no money. He allowed them to wear sandals, but not take a change of clothes. Wherever you go, he said, stay in the same house until you leave town. But if any place refuses to welcome you or listen to you, shake its dust from your feet as you leave to show that you have abandoned those people to their fate. So the, so the disciples went out telling everyone they met to repent of their sins and turn to God. And they cast out many demons and healed many sick people, anointing them with olive oil. Now, before you kind of get all freaked out and think, oh, that's what Jesus followers have to do. They have to like give up everything and, and go on the road and, and shout at people to tell them to repent and shake dust off the sand. So they have to get some sandals and, and do all those things. No, relax. See, these are specific instructions for a specific mission to specific people at a specific time. And maybe it was like specific times where it says he began sending them out. Maybe this was like a series of missions. But I think as we look at what Jesus told these guys to do, we can see some really important principles for people who actually don't want to just claim the title of Christian, but actually want to be, have the identity of Jesus followers. And first, what we see is that Jesus followers do what Jesus did and say what Jesus said. And he called his 12 disciples together and began sending them out two by two, giving them authority to cast out evil spirits. So the disciples went out, telling everyone they met to repent of their sins and turn to God. And they cast out many demons and healed many sick people, anointing them with olive oil. See, those are the same things Jesus had been doing. The same healings, the same message, the same casting out of demons. And as we've seen throughout Mark's account of Jesus' story, Jesus is on a mission to bring God's kingdom to earth to reverse and destroy the kingdom of sin and darkness and death. And he wants to give as many people as possible an opportunity to join that kingdom. And so he kind of like divides his forces. He sends out six groups of, of two guys at a time. So just having this one large group going from place to place. He divides his forces so more people can hear. And then he gives these guys, his disciples, the authority to do the things he's been doing. He empowers them with his, it's not their power and their authority. He empowers them with his power and his authority to literally push back the forces of darkness by casting out demons, to heal the sick and show that all of creation will one day be remade. And they teach the same thing, the same message that he was teaching, right? Repent because the kingdom of God is near. Return to God. And this repent, we... Christians love, I don't know why we love the word repent. And we think it's like, you know, feeling bad for, you know, some certain sins that we did because you lied to grandma about that cookie type of thing. 
No. See, repenting in this situation is to change our entire outlook on life, to change our goals, to change our aims, to change our allegiance to Jesus instead of ourselves. Now, if we look at what the stereotypical American Christian does, though, right? They often, they don't, that's not their mission. They often, sadly, bring more pain than healing. Instead of casting out evil, they judge and, and condemn and get angry and protect their, our, our own preferences and, and people and, and our own agendas. And instead of teaching the message of Jesus, they pledge allegiance to a set of beliefs and maybe even a political system instead of pledging their allegiance to Jesus. But Jesus followers, remember, Jesus followers do what Jesus did and say what Jesus said. And I know this idea of like being sent out by Jesus and doing the things he did and saying the things he said, that can seem like a lot of responsibility. I, I, a little overwhelming? Sure. But it like he doesn't just do this out of the blue. It wasn't like on Tuesday, he's like, all right, guys, follow me. On Thursday, he's like, okay, now go out. No. See, they had been with Jesus. They had lived with him. They went where he went. They listened to what he taught. They saw how he interacted with people. He saw how he healed people. He saw how he cast out demons. They had been prepared. See, he had empowered them with his authority, and then he prepared them to do what he was doing. Jesus' followers are empowered and prepared by Jesus. And whether you know it or not, he's been preparing you too. Your, your experiences, your unique personality, your interactions with him and others, and even like these teachings are preparing you to fulfill your mission as a Jesus follower if you're willing to accept it. And I know this, uh, probably, this idea still seems pretty daunting, right? Like, it's still a big responsibility. Uh, I mean, like, to join the most important mission in the history of the cosmos, that's kind of a big deal. But the cool thing is, Jesus doesn't just say, go and figure it out, do what I told you, or you're bad. No, he actually doesn't leave us on our own. Check this out. He told them to take nothing for their journey except a walking stick. No food, no traveler's bag, no money. He allowed them to wear sandals, but not take a change of clothes. And I kind of picture uh, like those 1930s movies with like the hobo, right? With the baggy pants and the torn hat and maybe a stick with a handkerchief over it. But what Jesus is actually doing here is getting these guys to focus, as they go on their mission, to focus on what's most important. He says, don't worry about packing the right stuff, or don't worry about having enough. Don't worry about the what-ifs. Focus on the task at hand, and trust me with the rest. It reminds me of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, where he says, don't worry about what you'll eat, and what you'll drink, and what you'll wear. Like, the birds don't worry about those things, and they're taken care of. And then he says, seek first the kingdom of God, and then everything else will be given to you. See, when we're willing to rely on Jesus to provide our needs, we give him the opportunity to prove that he's reliable. And we get to see him work on our behalf, which then will allow us to rely on him more and will teach us to be content with whatever he gives us. He said uh, in, in the passage, he said, stay at the first house that accepts you. Meaning like, hey, once you go somewhere somebody invites you, like don't then shop around for maybe a better place to stay. That, oh, you only have a two bedroom. Well, we prefer a four bedroom with an ensuite, right? No, he says, be content with what you are given. Be content with what has been provided for you. But how does the, again, the stereotypical American Christian go about getting what we need? Well, we pray that, God will bless us, right? Not their problem, but God will bless us. And 
you know, please God, make me richer. How much is enough? Well, more than what I have, right? And we make excuses for not being generous because what if I don't have enough? What if, what if God doesn't come through? So I can't be generous. I got to save it all for me. And we complain and, and worry and argue and try to get political power so that we can be comfortable with where we are. But Jesus followers are content to rely on Jesus and enjoy seeing him come through. But even when uh, Jesus followers, when, even when Jesus does come through and we see it happen time and time again, it doesn't mean it's easy. But if any place refuses to welcome you or listen to you, shake its dust from your feet as you leave to show that you have abandoned those people to their fate. See, Jesus followers are partnering with Jesus to heal the world, to bring healing to the world. But not everyone is ready to be healed. It's, it's just a fact. Some people just aren't ready. They would rather stay sick than change the way they see the world, way, the way they see themselves. And just as Jesus was rejected many times, and remember, even by like his childhood friends and, and family, those who are following him, those who are sharing the same message that he shares, they won't always be accepted. And uh, what do stereotypical American Christians do when someone rejects their beliefs? Well, they argue, right? They argue. In fact, there's there's whole groups and, and YouTube channels and, and books and classes dedicated to arguing the faith and standing firm against unbelief, right? I mean, yeah, we need to know what we believe and we need to know why we believe it. It's not just like some false hope. But no, we don't learn those things to argue with people. Nobody's ever been argued into the kingdom of God, ever. And so when, we, when people disagree with our beliefs, and maybe people who aren't Christian act not Christian, which is, you know, kind of what they would do, you would think. We, we pick at them, and we boycott the businesses that aren't Christian enough. And then we belittle and dehumanize leaders that aren't Christian enough. Those, and we call them those godless pagans and unbelievers and dirty sinners. What does a Jesus follower do when somebody doesn't agree with their beliefs? They move on. <laughs> like, they know they don't have time to argue. They, they don't need to argue for Jesus. They don't need to defend God. Listen, the moment we feel we need to defend God is the moment that we are showing we don't actually know God. God doesn't need us to defend him. If he's real, he can handle it himself. A Jesus follower's job is, is to give Jesus' invitation. And if people say no, that's their choice. That's, that's on them. That's why Jesus said, you know, shake the dust from your feet. Meaning like, you did your job, and now you gave the invitation, and now the rest, that, that's on them. See, Jesus followers know the mission of Jesus is too important to waste time on, on bickering and arguing and trying to win arguments, only to lose people and only to lose opportunities for relationships. Some will reject the message. That happens, just as they rejected Jesus and, and his first message. But others will be changed by God, and you get to be a part of it. Jesus followers know that winning people is more important than winning arguments. And what happened when these guys actually went out and, and did the mission Jesus gave them? The kingdom of God broke in and lives were transformed by the power and the love of God. So the disciples went out, telling everyone they met to repent of their sins and turn to God. And they cast out many demons and healed many sick people, anointing them with olive oil. Now, side note here, the uh, oil isn't some magical potion to heal people, and it's, it's, it's not biblical proof that we should all be investing in essential oils. 
No, the oil was more of a symbol. It was a symbol of, of joy and honor and a symbol of the, the presence and the care of God. And so they would heal people and then put oil on them to show them that God is with them and God is, is for them. But the, the main point here is when Jesus followers live out the mission of Jesus, lives are changed. But if we only settle for the stereotypical American Christian life of, you know, learning a lot and hanging out with only Christians and keeping our distance from the world unless it's, you know, to judge them, judge the world for not being Christian enough, nothing happens except, you know, the stereotype is reinforced. When Jesus followers live out the mission of Jesus, you might not always be casting out demons, though I, that could happen. We're not always, you know, healing physically sick people, though that could happen too. No, but hearts are healed and loneliness and fear and hopelessness and anger are cast out and the marginalized and the abused and the rejected are accepted and loved and shown their true worth. Our lives are too short to waste them by just sitting on the sidelines and rejecting Jesus's offer to actually partner with him in rescuing all of humanity. And so my question to you is, if you call yourself a Christian, are you simply claiming the title Christian or have you accepted the identity as a Jesus follower? So you remember, we can believe all the right things, but if we never do what we were born again to do, it's a waste of time. Nothing happens. We don't, we never discover, enjoy, and share the life Jesus offers. So again, let me ask you, why are you watching this? Why are you listening? To, if you call yourself a Christian, why are you watching this? Why are you listening to this? Is it to learn more so you can believe the right things? Or is it to become like Jesus and do what Jesus did? See, Jesus followers become like Jesus in order to be utilized by Jesus. Maybe this idea seems daunting. I know. You, you like the idea of being a Christian and Jesus loves you, but it's, you're realizing there's so much more to it. Like, that's scary. That can be hard. And I'm, I wouldn't blame you if you had maybe some, some what-if questions, right? Like, maybe it's like, but John, like, I don't know enough. What if I'm, I'm not prepared enough? You know, I, I don't have it all together. Well, the very fact that Jesus called these certain 12 guys to, to spread his message and, and do his mission shows us that Jesus doesn't need perfect people to accomplish his mission. Like as we continue in the story of Jesus, we'll discover, and as we look at the other accounts of Jesus' life, we'll see that these guys had a lot of flaws. They had a lot of doubts. They rarely knew what Jesus was talking about, and they didn't really understand any of it, any of it until after he rose from the dead. See, Jesus doesn't need perfect people. He just is looking for willing partners. Now, maybe you're thinking like, that sounds great. Like, yeah, I'd I want my life to mean something, but like, I'm not a professional. Like I'm not a full-time preacher like you. I'm not, you know, a professional missionary. And you know, I've, I've got kids. I got a family. I got a job. Look, the disciples didn't have any formal training either. All they did was spend time with Jesus. And Jesus invites all of us to join him. If he only wanted trained professionals to be part of his mission, there were hundreds of trained religious leaders that he could have called during his time. But that wasn't his purpose. That wasn't his vision. You know what his purpose and vision actually is? Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Why? Because their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. And you are living stones that God is building into a spiritual temple 
What's more, you are his holy priests. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. You are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. And that idea is what's been come to known as the priesthood of all believers. Maybe in our modern language, it'd be better to call it the pastorhood of all believers. So you think about it. You have friends and coworkers and family that I will never be able to talk to. They will, there's possible, they will never come to a church service. If you, they might never watch an episode like this on YouTube. But Jesus has put you in their lives. He's put you specifically in their lives to show them his love, to accept them, to even tell them how they can find peace and joy and hope. Now, maybe you wouldn't call yourself either a Christian or a Jesus follower, and maybe for good reasons, right? You don't, maybe you've stayed away because you don't want to be like those Christians, but this Jesus thing kind of intrigues you. I have good news for you. Jesus doesn't invite us to be a Christian. He invites us to follow him, to change allegiances from ourself and, our t and the typical way the world works and the typical way we see ourselves and the people around us, and to pledge allegiance to him as our king, as the king of our life, and as the source of our life. And he is inviting you to truly live for something greater and bigger than yourself, something greater and bigger than all of us. He's inviting you to partner with him to bring real healing, real love, real hope, real peace, real joy and purpose and meaning to a world that is in desperate need of all of those things. And he promises to be with you and in you and to love others through you. But to see that happen, we have to be willing to take that first step of trust in action. See, think about it. No one has made a bigger and better impact on the world than Jesus Christ. And he is inviting you to follow him and partner with him in his ongoing mission. So, whether you're ready to take a step from simply having the title Christian and moving to the identity of Jesus follower, or maybe or you're ready to follow him for the first time, either way, you can start today. So to follow Jesus first, accept his invitation. Like if you're watching this, if you're listening to this, you are invited. Jesus is inviting you. So tell him, if that's what you, if you want to accept that invitation, tell him, say, I don't want to just believe the right things. I want to follow you. I pledge my allegiance to you to be my king, Jesus. And it won't always be easy. If you're willing to take that step, it's not always going to be easy, but I promise you it will be worth it. So accept his invitation and then get to know him. And I feel like I've been talking about this in every episode lately, but that's why it's just that important. Get to know Jesus. If we want to follow Jesus, we have to know Jesus. So read what he said, read what he taught, read what he did. Maybe download the YouVersion Bible app and get a, a reading plan. I'll, I'll put one on our Cross Creek uh, reading plan. You can follow a, a Book of Mark reading plan on there. And then, like we've said before, invite him into your daily life. Listen for him. Listen to him. Talk to him. Get to know Jesus. So get to know him and then ask him to lead you. If, if you want him to lead you, ask him to. Ask him to give you his eyes for people. Ask him to give you opportunities to share about his love and opportunities to show his love. Like, who do you know that needs to know that they are loved and accepted. Ask him to use you to help specific people experience his love and his joy and his peace and his acceptance in their lives 
in specific ways. And then once you ask them to do that, do it. Like, act. Serve others. Invite others into your life. And when you do, enjoy them. Enjoy them because they're made in the image of God. Share your story with them. And that might seem scary, but it's not. It's sharing your story. You share what Jesus has done in your life. Maybe you share what you've been learning about him. And guess what? When you share what you've been learning, you don't have to have all the answers. You know why? Because you're learning. There's no need to argue and defend what you're learning. You're just learning it. You could even invite those people to, to watch and listen to these types of episodes. You could even like share them. And you know, liking and subscribing, honestly, it actually helps more people discover what we're doing here. And I think it's important because Jesus didn't come to earth. He didn't die and rise again just so we can you know, believe the right things and hope we go to heaven someday. He did those things so we can experience true life now and forever. So, so that we, his most prized creation, can discover our role in helping restore all of creation in and through and to him. We are invited to so much more than just joining a church and saying some prayers and having the right list of beliefs and making sure we're good. We are invited to join his revolution against hatred, against darkness, against evil, against loneliness, against isolation, against sadness. We are invited to play a role that has eternal and cosmic importance. We simply have to be willing to accept his invitation to follow him. We have a momentous opportunity, not just believe certain things, but to do amazing things. Following Jesus allows us to become who we were created to be and to do what we were created to do. Thanks for watching this week's content put out by Cross Creek Community Church. Uh, thanks for joining us on this journey through Mark, the story of Jesus. Uh, there will be lots of content for you available online, YouTube, and podcast. But also don't forget, we meet in person on Sundays at 4.30 in South Salem at 525 Idlewood Drive. So find out more on our website, yourcrosscreek.com. And we're just really glad to see you here online. Uh, send us your information via the welcome form. Say hello. Uh, request a Bible, request prayer, or join a small group. Uh, it's all online there for you. And we'll see you next week. Now, side note, the oil there isn't like some magic potion. It's not proof that essential oils are like everything that all, all, 